Rusty Quill presents. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, survivors, to the Order of Things. A series of short stories set in the world of Week of Corrosion. Each of these stories takes place either before or during the events of the main show. So, bolt the bunker doors against the cold world outside and embrace the order of things. Part one, before the wake. The thing before the wake is arguably more important than the wake itself. All the events that led up to this point in time the fact that it was happening in some small way for at least a day, maybe longer before anyone really knew. The fact that some of the ones who were there when it started didn't even see the signs, didn't even know them, and yet they still nodded and convinced themselves it was all worth it. The sacrifice of the many for the salvation of the few, the end of a billion so that they may start anew. The electric edged tingles of awkwardness fired and dissipated across her skin as she entered the echoing passageways of old halls. She hadn't realised how tight she'd been clutching at the spine of the book until her knuckles ached with fatigue. Stopping at the cafeteria on the way through, Amanda sat with the book securely positioned between her lap and the underside of the table. It wasn't that she feared someone might steal it. Not at all. More so concern that she may misplace it, forget about it. Amanda was painfully aware of her own flight-mindedness, even with something like this. She knew, as well as she knew she would take her next breath, that if she let go of the book, she might see something else, something otherwise mundane, and become distracted by it. It had only taken her two days to finish reading it from cover to cover. 727 pages. Told herself that the fear of losing it was what carried her through page after page in such a short period of time. Though she knew that wasn't the case at all. Could tell by the way her hand shook as she held her chai latte the server had placed in front of her. 
how when placing the drink back down, she instinctively slid it further to the centre of the table for fear of damaging the book. For the third time since she'd sat down, she checked her watch. Four more minutes. Four more minutes and Rory would be back in his office in the Upper Reaches. That's what he called it, the Upper Reaches. Said it was a reference to a book he'd read years ago. The place where the magic happened. He'd always say that afterwards, before you could ask about the origin of the name, and then he moved on to another subject. Amanda thought he meant the magic of stargazing, the magic of telescopes strewn across his sea-facing balcony. But not anymore. Not entirely, anyway. Besides, she'd know for certain soon enough. His lecture finished a minute ago, and by the time the more astute students had finished pestering him and he was back in his office, Amanda would be finished with her latte and on her way up those spiralling stairs. Round and round they stretched, each elongated triangle mismatched against the next. Amanda had often wondered what he'd done to secure such an obscure office space. Could never quite decide whether it was a punishment or a boon. Probably the former turned to the latter, knowing Rory Ewan. On any other day, she would have stopped by each one of the tiny slits that broke up the bricks of the tower and gazed out at either the town, the promenade, or the vast expanse of the ocean beyond. Stopping at each one every few steps or so was like getting a snapshot of the world through a bizarre portal. A little tear in time, peeking out from the past into the present. Balistraria, she smirked to herself as she continued to climb. That's what they'd been meant to replicate. Gaps big enough to rain death through, but small enough to keep the ones behind them safe. An itch began at the back of her mind. Something she couldn't quite get to, couldn't quite reach. What was it? What was it? And before she knew it, she was standing face to face with the crooked wooden door that led to his office. The place she'd first joined where she'd met with Rory and the others just two days earlier. The place he'd taken that book off the shelf, where it now needed to return, even if she didn't want it to, even if she needed it to, even if it felt like the world had been falling away before her eyes ever since she'd finished that final page. Amanda didn't even realise she'd started knocking. She thought all the antiques that littered his office were just that. Antiques. It wasn't until she sat down next to the spyglass that her eyes caught it. Or perhaps it caught her. Gleaming there with its impossibility. A suggested alternate. A trick of the eye, usually so fleeting and never possible to regain no matter the determination of the mind. The smell of coffee heavy in the air, a musty scent, the aroma of long hours pouring over withering texts. Yet none of it could pull her away from the view through the glass. As her mind let out deep groans such as a branch might bow in a storm before snapping entirely. For trees... To make them leviathans, weathering the storm is necessary. Each stressed branch feeds reaction wood into its structure. 
For her mind, though, the storm was too much. The reaction would never have time to grow, to set. The snap was almost audible. Rory knew. The look on his face inexorable as he turned to see her locked in the spyglass's embrace. And for her, eyes locked on that thick lens. An entire world spilled out in front of her, captured smaller than a palm, but unfathomable. Through that lens, the wall of his office spilled away to two seas. The pouring black of the ocean and the roiling grey of the sky. But it wasn't the seas that ripped her reality apart. It was the thing that crept its way across the crumbling promenade hotels. Slow, almost invisible in its swallowing of them. But her locked gaze and racing mind saw it devour them brick by brick. An inexplicably large form, a loose balloon for a body like that of an octopus. Thousands of many jointed appendages covering its surface, pouring over and over one another. Scrambling for perches on withering structures, its small head turns, insect-like in its beady shape, twitching this way and that. But eyes, eyes most definitely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, focused on her and her alone. Two young friends playing in a park on a summer's day needn't be concerned about the encroaching dark of the woodlands surrounding them on all but one side. They needn't, but they were. When they heard leaves rustle, twigs snap and the familiar song of birds vanish, they looked first at each other, then at the shadowy depths beyond the peeling paint of the park fence. Their small hearts leapt, then fluttered. Their mouths grew dry, then went slack and all at once it was like lead weights had been affixed about their ankles. They knew not that these were the signs of overwhelming fear, a crippling dread with an undercurrent of searing energy ready to be released. Fight or flight. What they hadn't considered, though, couldn't, was that the attention of their fear was entirely misplaced. The pair of them feared a nightmare in the woods, the creatures their friends had told them stories of. The savage wolves. The evil witch that kidnapped children. Or perhaps even the dreaded strangers their parents always cautioned about, but never described in detail. Unnerving the children, an outline of a vaguely humanoid shape loomed in the distant dark. Thin at the top, and spilling out at the bottom. Like it had one swollen foot... Against the backdrop of the creeping dark, they tried desperately to bring their eyes into focus, to see what was really there and not what their mind was making up, hoping beyond hope. Eventually, between the shadowy trees appeared the outline of an elderly woman, out with her dog. A wave of relief passed over them. 
safety in a stranger's comfort, the comfort of familiarity. Still, something was off. Both her and the dog stood stock still, staring directly at them, or was it past them? Yes, it most certainly was. Only one of the children realised this, the younger of the two. The other was too focused on the woman's dog, too busy taking comfort in that absent expression. And as that one perceptive child turned to follow the elderly woman's gaze, they no longer stood in their familiar playground surrounded by joy-filled memories of summers gone by. Instead, the sharp smell of oxidised metal shot its way up her nostrils and tickled at her nose hairs. On the swing set where she'd fallen and scraped her knee hung nothing but rusty chains and a missing seat. The seesaw where her big brother would rocket her into the air, just a chunk of metal in a vaguely rectangular shape. The roundabout she'd always wanted to go faster on, just a vaguely circular smear on the floor, and beyond that... Beyond that, snow-covered houses littered the middle distance between the whitening trees, with the furthest views concealed by a sweeping white storm. Neither of them had felt the chill yet, but they would given time. A gentle breeze passes through the tops of trees, occasionally scattering a light covering of snow over a variety of tracks left below. The popular walking destination has dimmed to a perfect dusk. The distant hum of traffic and passing headlights are not enough to pierce the soothing tranquility of the forest. A scene straight out of a painting. Lit only by the fading sun and the dimly glowing moon, from the outside, serenity might be a word to describe the scene. A haven calm. Even on the edge, however, that's simply not true, for the nightly challenges have already begun. One such plight being the red foxes. Her ears pricked with the utmost angular precision, twitching and rounding at every crunching leaf, every frozen blade of grass. The fox already knows where to look, its prey doesn't migrate much during this time of year. But it knows, they know, and that's enough to put her whole plan in danger from the outset. But still, she must try. She knows this all too well. Despite each year being more difficult, each season more imbalanced than the last. Her ribs have already begun to show. She keeps slow, movements slow and intentional, not a muscle relaxed, not a foot out of place. The fox hears the particular sound she's been waiting for, the fast, rhythmic crunching of grass between a small set of squared-off teeth. Music, you might say, to her ears. A chance to eat. 
She breaks through the undergrowth that leads to the grassy clearing with nothing but the barely perceptible sound of her leathery pads gently carrying her forward. Her prey freezes. A tableau. Ears pricked almost a mimicry of hers. Eyes focused broadly on the darkening edges of the forest gloom. The fox copies, too, in her own way. Another tableau. Both predator and prey locked in stillness. A frozen forest. She knows she needs to move. Knows that another wrong move could jeopardize her plan. She knows she needs to get closer. Her resolve is almost broken when her target becomes animated once more. But almost as though as the threat was never there, it bows its head back down to its grassy meal at its feet. The fox doesn't sigh, doesn't relax. She remains perfectly engaged and takes one, two, three more steps. Ever closer, ever more focused, until she's finally in reach and she knows. She just knows. All she needs to do is open her mouth, twitch her foot, and let one muscle fire the relax and her prey will know. And at this distance, it's exactly what she wants. And so she does. And so she leaps the ending of one thing so that another may continue. She leaves nothing in her wake other than the vaguest suggestion of her presence. From the outside, the scene is nothing but a rustle of grass and leaves. The briefest moments of quiet, rapid movements that fall silent as quickly as they came on. From the outside, the calm of the forest was never changed. A glance away and you might have missed it, but a glance at it, and you will still instead have missed the small flash in the sky, leaving behind a brief trail that fizzled out only seconds later. And so it does. And so it falls, the ending of one thing so that another may continue, leaving nothing in its wake other than the vaguest suggestion of its presence. And an entire world changed. They kept quiet. They had to. People in the future would say, why didn't they just tell us? Then we could have done something about it. The usual. But they knew too well that was never the case. If they let the population know the true extent of absolutely fucked, well, they lose their minds. They lose their minds and thousands more die than necessary. Thousands more die and the plans of the ones in charge may also fall apart. 
The difference being that this time, nothing would have made a single bit of difference. They, the uh, upper echelons, the elite, the governments, kings, queens, dictators, world leaders from all corners, they hadn't a clue of the extent. Thought it was just an unexpected astronomical anomaly. One which, no doubt, had the potential to do an awful amount of damage. But not this much. Not this fast. Not in this way at all. And so they floundered, panicked and raced around, tried to make a hundred phone calls that never connected, demanded things of people who no longer existed, people who were merely shadows flickering across an alien landscape. The bunkers, those that still stood and hadn't collapsed to the deterioration of time, were flooded with refugees, survivors, the bewildered masses and those private monoliths of human endurance buried deep beneath the surface lay empty, for all those they were made for would never make it there, would instead meet their end in some desperate panic, just like everyone else. This is when the message arrived, fired through to billions of devices. For most, though, it was already too late. By the time it had been sent, a menagerie of horrors had already poured into the world, each with their own malicious desires, each with death, a whisper in their minds, rising to a deafening roar as more and more joined their ranks. By the time it had been sent, the corruption was already thickly spread. Newly built houses rotted, their floors caving through, walls crumbling, creeping vines, both terrestrial and otherwise, swallowed everything in their path. By the time it had been sent, countless sentient spores had seeded themselves in the places that most resembled home. Damp, Warm, living, their insect-like programming guides them on a singular path. Infection, replication, control, growth. Infection, replication, control, growth. And on and on, until nothing else remained. All over, the world became unrecognisable. By this time, the world had ended the firm grasp of death upon its throat, like a headless chicken wandering blindly. It just didn't know it was dead yet. Eli knew. He spent the evening on top of Constitution Hill with a dozen or so of his closest followers. People who had seen through the looking glass and survived intact. Or who had perhaps become unhinged in just the way he wanted. Just enough to commit themselves without too many questions. You don't question the star. He got tired of scorning others with that. Others who soon found the truth to be a little too much to handle. 
This was the second most obvious sign of the convergence. The first was a great distance away. Bear witness, friends. Amanda would have screamed if a hand wasn't pressed firmly against her mouth. Her mind raced with thoughts of all the decisions she'd made leading up to this point. Was it her curiosity? Was that alone the deciding factor of her doomed fate? Or was it the spyglass, the book, her interest in astronomy, the choice to have a telescope for her tenth birthday that started it all off? Her firing lizard brain leapt between them all, muscles constantly twitching and spasming, trying to break free. And then, all at once, they fell away. White finger marks turned to a bruised purple as her life slowly soaked into the soil. Eyes fell upon her, stared at her, focused all their efforts on her. Thought of words like lamb and slaughter, sacrifice and offering. Eli didn't look, though. Some of the others, less unhinged, thought he must not want to see someone die, thought it unusual for someone so dedicated. Someone who knew it was all leading up to this. His closest ones knew, though. They were instead watching him closely as his gaze turned to the stars that glittered over the inky sea. How another meteor streaked across the sky, creating a distorted reflection in the dark mirror of the ocean below. A smile touched at the edges of his pale lips that had, up until then, been pressed into a stern thoughtfulness. He wasn't sure if he'd just felt the excitement of the others behind him or heard it too. Simply knew that the air had become electrically charged with all the potentials that had just now become a reality. A chanting rose up from the semicircle his followers formed behind him, the beautiful language he'd taught them all. The language of the star. One, two, three. Pulse after pulse shot out from the meteor still blazing over the night sky. He pulled his gaze away from the ever more twinkling night and momentarily held a small spyglass up to his left eye. Its gold banded edges briefly caught the light of the fading meteor. The smallest nod to himself, barely perceptible, but noticed nonetheless. He pocketed the spyglass and stepped forward. To an onlooker, in observance, Eli was about to walk to his doom, about to fall and be dashed upon the sea-soaked rocks below. But at the precise moment of certain doom, a sickening pulse of green-orange light burst through the dark. To all now watching, a bizarre after-image of Eli's form mid-step burned behind their eyelids. To Eli, however... A monochromatic world of beautiful nightmares welcomed him with a thousand open arms. Some had been waiting for this an awfully long time. For their entire lives, they might say. Although that in itself is simply impossible. There are also those who had only recently learned about the star and what the Order planned. Those few were the most foolish, the most quick to believe and listen. But not all were such. 
Alex was so invested in what they had to say at first. They hung on Rory's every word, was absolutely desperate to read his book, and spoke so highly of him to anyone who was interested. Alex often thought to themselves, this is where I want to be, this is who I am. But in the weeks following their official membership into the Order, the Stargazing Society, Alex had a moment of realisation. They were dancing, singing their favourite songs, smiling, grinning at themselves, happier than they'd been in months. For once they actually felt accepted, part of something. Then, for a second, they caught sight of their eyes in the bedroom mirror. It was only the briefest of looks, but like when you lock eyes with a stranger and realise that you knew them once. There are a hundred words that are unspoken in that moment. Alex shared them all with themselves in an instant. They stopped dancing. The music took on a muted quality, and their mind flared with flashes of sound bites from Rory. When we are converged, it will change our world forever. Think of the ones who go as the seeds that will start the new world, so that we can grow into something new. The ones left behind will be our fuel, remains our building materials, our resolve, the fire that feeds the furnace. And like a veil had been lifted from their eyes, they heard the words, actually heard them for the first time. They laughed when they realised what he'd said, thought carefully about those three phrases over and over. That's what he'd said. Right. That's actually how he phrased it. Alex's heart leapt up into their throat and stayed there pulsing and throbbing. Their stomach leapt across the room, bounced off the wall and flew back into its place, sending Alex spiralling to the ground. The walls shifted, the ceiling dropped, the music pulsed and pounded each note a blow to the skull and it felt to Alex all at once like everything was losing shape, losing focus. They closed their eyes and clutched at their head, willing the feeling to vanish, to end. Several minutes passed before Alex remembered the breathing exercises they'd not used for years. In for three. Hold for three. Out for three. What am I doing? Alex called out. What have I done? They dropped even further still, wishing the world would swallow them up then. All at once, another crushing realisation, there were others who joined just as Alex had, others who had found comfort and solace with the stargazer. They had to let them know, had to warn them, make them see sense. They wiped the tears from their eyes, slammed the pause button on their CD player and threw their bag over their shoulder. This was Alex's beginning. And end. Their making and undoing. The stargazer thought she saw something rare, something she hadn't heard about yet. 
a phenomenon that she couldn't wait to look up once it was over. That would never happen for her, though. She would never get that opportunity. Not because the mobile signal had already been interrupted, and not because the satellite had already been swallowed by a drifting leviathan. Not even because there wasn't a single parameter she could enter that would yield her the results she was after. No. It was because she was about to fall far from her clifftop perch and would never see her world again. Before her inevitable demise, though, she would stare at this beautiful spectacle for nearly an hour, enraptured by crisscrossing meteors, by the swirling color wheel of what she thought was her own version of the Northern Lights. She would marvel and almost laugh to herself how behind the swirling lights and colors, some trick of the eye was making it seem like a colossal form lingered between them. She would bite her lip with wonder, absently, and her cheeks would ache with joy, a smile painted upon her face near constantly. The stars would continue their show, doubling, tripling in number, as they seemed to wink into existence. She would feel a single tear fall and consider the appearance of it a joy, savor the salty taste of it as it arced down her cheek and touched the corner of her mouth, her smile only briefly interrupted as she sniffled against the cold air that had started to rush over her. But before long, it would be replaced by welcome warmth at the back of her neck. Warmth which, all too quickly, became incredibly unwelcome, and instead replaced all her feelings with the gut-wrenching horror that she'd been completely absent from her own senses for some time. With the lurching feeling that she was no longer alone and hadn't been for quite some time, she would turn. She would scream. She would reel back. And she would fall. And the last thing she would ever see would be the world's new night sky, and still, she would smile. What came before was vast beyond comprehension. To it, we are the bacteria of its body. Invisible to the naked eye, numerous in our infestation, a blight, a problem, a drain on potential resources. When manipulated, such power can be held and used. For unlike us, what came before does not flit and fly between places, doesn't seek out the next thrill to keep the ever-present limited nature of existence at bay. For in its eternity, it is parallel to time, a great leviathan, an ageless certainty. But as with a bear tucked away for winter, it cannot remain in stasis forever. A time must come when even the most ageless ones must reach forth from the realms unknown and touch the lives of others. But just like the bear, this must be a choice. How is it then that the bear reacts when woken early from its slumber? especially by ones 
so insignificant as us.